Compassion, trust, courage, innovation. The values of Temecula Valley Hospital. We proudly present TVH Doc Talk. Here's Melanie Cole. According to the CDC, atrial fibrillation, often called AFib, is the most common type of heart arrhythmia. An estimated 6 million people in the United States may have AFib. With the aging of the U.S. population, this number is expected to increase. My guest today is Dr. Nader Atiyah. He's a cardiologist and a member of the medical staff at Temecula Valley Hospital. Welcome to the show, Dr. Atiyah. Tell us first, what is atrial fibrillation? Hi, how are you? Thanks for having me this afternoon on your podcast pleasure to be part of uh, the community at Temecula Valley. Um, Atrial fibrillation is actually one of the most common arrhythmias that we treat in cardiology. Um, As you already alluded to, it is very common in our aging population, Um, and it is an arrhythmia that can be treated uh, promptly once diagnosed. Does somebody know that they have it? Are there any symptoms, or might they not feel it? Frequently, some patients do feel symptoms, and symptoms can vary. Uh, between patients. Um, However, in some instances, patients can be asymptomatic for months or even years at a time until they finally end up having an EKG that uh, ultimately diagnoses the arrhythmia. Uh, Some symptoms that they may have uh, include shortness of breath, irregularity or palpitation. They may also feel dizziness or lightheadedness. Uh, Some patients may even develop chest discomfort in certain instances when the uh, rate of the atrial fibrillation accelerates. A rare and sometimes uh, overseen or overlooked um, side effect or or, uh, symptom is an increase in urinary frequency uh, with no evidence of urinary tract infections or other intrinsic uh, bladder issues. If AFib is not caught and treated, are there complications to not getting it treated? There can be, and the most worrisome complication of atrial fibrillation, uh, especially if patients have certain risk factors such as congestive heart failure, hypertension, age, diabetes, and previous stroke, is a uh, large and major debilitating stroke. Um, Additionally, if atrial fibrillation is not uh, controlled in terms of its rate of acceleration, uh, over time this can potentially weaken Uh, The heart muscle causing a process called cardiomyopathy uh, additionally can lead to congestive heart failure and a valvular heart disease. So, Dr. Atiyah, when you do diagnose somebody with AFib, what is the first line of defense? What do you do for them first? Depending on their age and risk factors, I think the most uh, uh, important thing to do is to start them on a blood thinner, and that blood thinner can vary depending on the patient and their comfort level with taking blood thinners, but there are various ones on the market that we have at our disposal, and that's all, you know, individually tailored to that patient. Uh, secondarily, I, if their heart rates are rapid, I try and start them on medications that can better control their heart rates, and if not, uh, control them at maybe even possibly convert them to a normal sinus rhythm. Uh, as part of my clinical practice, I do like to ensure that patients return to normal sinus rhythm, and oftentimes we'll perform a procedure called the transesophageal echo uh, to uh, look for any clots or thrombus within the heart structure. And if none are found, these patients uh, can have a second procedure called a cardioversion in which we uh, employ electricity to resynchronize their heart back to a normal rhythm. If you use cardioversion and you do resynchronize or use one of the rate control methods, 
Can it come back, or is this a permanent solution? Unfortunately, atrial fibrillation is one of those arrhythmias that is very complex and very stubborn uh, to treat. Um, The success rate of cardioversion is about 60% uh, in terms of its permanence. However, uh, a lot of times patients may require a second or third cardioversion, and the same holds true for patients that undergo a more invasive procedure called radiofrequency ablation, uh, in which cautery is used to isolate the focus of atrial fibrillation and eradicate it uh, within the heart. Um, and in that procedure as well, there's a uh, recurrence rate of about uh, 40% with 50% of patients needing a second or third uh, radiofrequency ablation. So for the rhythm control and cardioversion, you're sort of shocking their heart back into normal sinus rhythm. Speak a little bit more for us, if you would, Dr. Atia, about the catheter ablation and what this actual procedure is. This procedure is one that's performed by a subspecialist in the field of cardiology called an electrophysiologist. Uh, their main uh, focus of treatment is, electri- is the electrical system of the heart. And what they do is they pass a few catheters through the uh, venous system, uh, most commonly um, through the jugular vein in the neck as well as through the femoral vein in the groin. Um, and they guide those catheters up to the heart and oftentimes across the septum, which is the partition between the two upper chambers of the heart to reach the left side of the heart called the left atrium. That's where the most common uh, site for atrial fibrillation is, uh, either within the actual heart muscle tissue or in another area uh, surrounding what we call the pulmonary uh, venous circulation. And those are the areas based on a 3D map that's created of each individual patient's heart where the electrophysiologist focuses a a cauterizing tool uh, to help basically burn out areas of electrically active tissue to reduce the frequency uh, and locations of any potentially uh, pro-arrhythmic areas in that part of the heart. And as you said, AFib is quite stubborn and complicated. If they've had the ablation, do they still need to be on a blood thinner? And is this something that works in the long term? Oftentimes, again, uh, 60% of patients will have a successful ablation on the first try, but second uh, and third uh, opportunities uh, do arise in about 50% of the population that doesn't undergo radiofrequency ablation. Um, They do have to remain on blood thinners for at least 30 days following the procedure. Now, if patients have been on blood thinners for six months and have not, especially the ones that are symptomatic and have not experienced any symptoms, Um, then oftentimes those patients we will take off blood thinners and monitor very closely. Um, With the newer medications that have a very quick on-off mechanism of action, it's not unheard of that we use these medications almost as a pill-in-pocket form where if they start to feel their symptoms, we encourage them to take their blood thinner immediately, uh, which will get them coverage uh, and prevent strokes and prevent the formation of clots as we know, clots take about 24 to 48 hours to form, and these medications have an onset of about six hours. So you can see by the time the patient feels their symptoms, takes their medications, they're well, they're well covered uh, in terms of uh, stroke reduction uh, with uh, regards of recurrent atrial fibrillation. Can people with AFib live long, healthy lives? And what would you like to tell them about doing that and possible prevention or healthy lifestyle information? 
I, I have a tremendous number of patients in my practice that have atrial fibrillation, uh, some of which we have kept in a what we call rhythm uh, control, where they are in normal sinus rhythm using medications, radiofrequency ablation, or cardioversion, or a combination of all three. And others we've maintained in the rate control uh, population, and both of which have been substantially uh, researched and are both adequate uh, responses to the atrial fibrillation. Um, in my clinical practice, both types of patients can thrive, uh, even with multiple risk factors. However, we have to prevent the main risk factors for atrial fibrillation, the ones that we can control at least, and that would be high blood pressure, diabetes, and patients with history of coronary artery disease. The other risk factors that we can't control, obviously, are reverse, our age, and uh, being a female. Females, unfortunately, have a higher propensity to develop atrial fibrillation, especially as they age. Um, so if we can do a better job of controlling high blood pressure, um, avoiding uh, excessive uh, swings, blood pressure, as well as blood sugar, oftentimes these patients can do well and live a long, uh, long and healthy lifestyle. Uh, with regards to our younger patient population in which atrial fibrillation is less common, uh, there are very specific risk factors that they need to avoid, and that includes binge drinking and uh, excessive alcohol intake, uh, drugs, uh, and smoking, all of which can potentially uh, bring on that arrhythmia, making it very difficult to control because of the underlying uh, neurohormonal uh, influences. And why should they come to Temecula Valley Hospital for their care? Tell us about your team. Uh, our team consists of seven cardiologists uh, that um, focus their practice um, throughout the different uh, facets of cardiology. Um, myself, I'm a general cardiologist that do invasive uh, non-interventional cardiology as well as nuclear medicine echocardiography. Um, our partners uh, are interventionalists that can do and perform multiple uh, interventional cardio cardiologic procedures, including heart stents and other structural heart procedures, and we have an electrophysiologist that is uh, capable of doing the type of work that some atrial fibrillation patients may need, including uh, pacemakers and uh, radiofrequency ablation. Um, Temecula Valley offers all those types of services all in one place without needing to uh, travel further or outside the uh, Temecula Valley area. Thank you so much for being with us today. It's great information. You're listening to TVH Doc Talk with Temecula Valley Hospital. For more information, you can go to TemeculaValleyHospital.com. That's TemeculaValleyHospital.com. Physicians are independent practitioners who are not employees or agents of Temecula Valley Hospital. The hospital shall not be liable for actions or treatments provided by physicians. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks for listening.